This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with chaos in Mexico near the popular tourist destination of Mazatlan. Violence erupted after the arrest of a Mexican drug lord. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it's forcing tourists, including Canadians, to shelter in their hotel rooms. Gunshots fired at moving jets on the tarmac at the Culiacan International Airport. On board the Aeromexico jet, passengers crouching low on the floor. Gangsters affiliated with the Sinaloa drug cartel also shooting at a Mexican military jet. The attack, a direct retaliation for the arrest of the gang's leader and son of Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, Ovidio. The state of Sinaloa has erupted in chaos after Guzman's arrest. The focus of the violence appears to be in Culiacan, but three airports across the state have been closed, including the popular tourist destination of Mazatlan, where hundreds of Canadians are currently vacationing. All in all, I was, we're still having fun. I don't know outside because they block the roads. The highways are blocked and airports uh, get shut down to and the city. So we started reading the news and watching news about Mazatlan this morning. And yeah, it's violent outside. It's chaos. Travel companies trying to figure out what the immediate future of flights to the region will be. Sunwing, WestJet and Swoop all offering service to Mazatlan. I personally have reached out to the companies that are flying there, both WestJet and Sunwing have flights. We're waiting to hear back. Guzman was flown to Mexico City Thursday, and there is concern about the violence spreading five days before Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and U.S. President Joe Biden are set to arrive in the national capital for the North American summit. The government of Canada has issued a travel warning for Sinaloa, and the U.S. State Department has done the same. Travel to Sinaloa uh, remains at level four. Uh, we advise Americans not to travel uh, to Sinaloa as a result. Travelers on the ground in Mazatlan have been told their flights may leave Friday. Sunwing telling passengers to check the status of their flights before heading to the airport. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Now, a news hour followed to our story on the appalling conditions inside a Vancouver SRO. Our report generated a lot of reaction, including from the CEO of the Lookout Society, which runs the Sakura So facility. He says images which show filthy washrooms and piles of trash don't give the full picture. Our Krista Dow has more. Less than 24 hours after Global News first reported about the deplorable living conditions inside the Sakura supportive housing building. Residents tell us cleaning staff now finally brought in. Some of them are not opening, some of them locked in from the inside. I don't know how that's possible, but... I think it's just a band-aid for a bullet wound, to be honest. <laughs> it's not even a solution. 
it'll be dirty again tomorrow because they, they'll just neglect it again. I did call you guys to get you to clean this one, but I didn't really get a response. On Wednesday, Global News had a first-hand look at the facilities. The communal bathrooms, atrocious, and shared common spaces littered with garbage. It's not cleanly or hygienic or, you know, you can get very sick very easily and diseases pass so much faster when there's such filth. Who does all, except I've been the only staff person here. Wednesday's encounter tense. And now after multiple requests for comment, Lookout Housing, who owns and manages the building, is responding to our news report. What was on camera yesterday was completely unacceptable and against the mission mandate of our organization. In defense of Lookout CEO Shane Williams says the video aired Wednesday is not representative of its social housing buildings, but admitted that site is understaffed. The goal for our organization would be to see, you know, probably double the current staffing that's at that site. At the end of the day, we do have a cleaning regime. We do the very best we can with the resources we have to try to maintain the building. The city of Vancouver says an annual inspection was last conducted at the building in July 2022. At the time, there were issues with maintenance and cleanliness. Change is what's needed, a, a drastic change, because this is not okay. The CEO telling us bathrooms have been cleaned up, but two of the six will remain closed. A follow-up inspection by the city of Vancouver is set for January 18th. Krista Dow, Global News. COVID travel restrictions have returned, but only for people flying in from China, Hong Kong and Macau. Passengers now have to provide proof of a negative test before they can get on a plane. Our Kamal Kuramali is live at Vancouver International Airport with the latest. Kamal. Uh, Chris, we've seen a couple of flights land this late afternoon, one from China and then one from Taiwan coming from China as well. Both flights seemed fairly full, so it looks like these new measures are not deterring too many people from coming to Canada, although we've heard from some that they're actually delaying their plans to visit uh, Vancouver and B.C. until these mandatory restrictions are no longer mandatory. The new year starting off with an old and familiar routine. These are some of the first passengers touching down in Vancouver Thursday after going through renewed COVID-19 testing measures. Over there, uh, it canceled. It, 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 it not much places to, to do the test. So we had to, we had to find the, the hospital. To Jialun Wang now in his girlfriend's arms, but he had to scramble to get a COVID test done from a nearby hospital. And at least one person he was traveling with didn't get their test on time. Uh, he just have to go home and book, uh, book a ticket another day. Yeah. And so were you worried that same, same thing might happen to you? Your test yeah, might expire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, I say I'm lucky. Airline passengers from China, Hong Kong and Macau now need proof of a negative COVID-19 test no more than 48 hours prior to their departures. The temporary measures are in place for 30 days. The U.S. and other European nations have imposed similar measures amid concerns of a surge in cases in China and a new subvariant. Keeping in mind, by the way, the pressure that our public health system is dealing with right now, this was a, a prudent thing to do. Not so prudent, though, according to health experts who say the new Omicron subvariant could be far more widespread. Also, by the time you discover a variant in a particular country, it's very likely to be in many other countries, even by the time it's discovered. 
The added restrictions have also caused delays and cancellations of some travel plans to and from China. With this COVID test, of course, make them more determined to fly later. <laughs> Later on. So our business is um, affected yeah. <laughs> gradually. A trip back to the past, measures that travelers had hoped to leave behind them in the new year. I think time has changed, especially in these few days, drastically. Obviously a controversial move also because there has been a lack of COVID data coming from China. And the Consulate General of China in Vancouver had this to say to Global News that China firmly opposes any discriminatory measures targeting travelers arriving from China, adding COVID response measures need to be fact and science based. Back over to you, Chris. All right, Kamal Karamali at YVR tonight. Thanks, Kamal. Well, Health Minister Adrian Dix says the B.C. government is keeping a close eye on the health care system as it heads into the busiest month of the year. Richard Zussman has the details on the potential perfect storm that could put unprecedented pressure on health care. New year, new challenge. January is always a busy time in health care and we have all these issues. The issues are clear. According to Health Minister Adrian Dix, 372 people across BC are in hospital positive with COVID-19, 28 in intensive care. There are 223 people positive with either the flu or RSV, with 29 in ICU, 26 of those with the flu. And the latest figures have 12 detected XBB 1.5 Omicron variant cases, also known as the Kraken variant, up from five. And short of the actual number due to lack of testing. Whether this subvariant will have a massive incremental effect compared to what we already face, uh, we don't know, but obviously the response and the need to respond by continuing to have people get vaccinated remains, uh, remains paramount in my mind. The system continues to face high rates of absenteeism, with healthcare workers getting sick as well. And January is often extremely busy with surgeries plus general appointments. What happens in the healthcare system, Richard, if you look at the weeks before Christmas, you see a, some, something of a drawing down of people both wanting to get surgery, sometimes people would prefer to get surgeries in the week, at, you know, in the first weeks of the new year rather than the last weeks for Christmas. New hospital admissions with COVID went down from 231 the last week of November to 123 the week ending December 31st. But Dix warns this doesn't tell the whole story. You know, what we haven't seen yet is what we've seen in some previous years, which is the impact of the Christmas break on COVID-19 on influenza and on RSV. It sounds really simple, Richard, but it's stay home when you're sick, you know, physically distance or mask when you're out in public. The doctors of BC not recommending people cancel doctor's appointments or push the back, rather consider virtual options in a time frontline workers call the winter surge. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry in Victoria with more. Keith, new numbers suggest influenza cases are dropping, but RSV and COVID cases are on the rise. 
Yeah, I got some new numbers just, uh, it's just over four o'clock today after Adrian Dix's news conference. And we've been tracking the respiratory illness hospitalizations. These are the people worst off with these illnesses for a couple weeks now. And the trends are interesting. As you mentioned, Sophie, influenza cases, we may have hit the peak of influenza because in terms of hospitalizations, they're down from December 23rd, just 61 currently as of four o'clock today. That's down 62 uh, since uh, just before Christmas. RSV, though, is the one that's really on the increase, plus 40 since December 23rd. And as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, COVID-19 numbers go sort of bounce up and down every day, but they're at their highest level they've been for some time. Health Minister Andrew Dix, again, as he mentioned in Richard's story, making the point, a combination of factors, these illnesses, more surgeries, people uh, being, uh, staffing shortages not being quite as serious as they have been in the past will mean January is going to be a very busy time in our healthcare system, particularly in hospitals. These are going to be, I would say, not particularly because of the subvariant, but because of COVID-19 and influenza and RSV and the time of year, going to be very challenging weeks for our healthcare system. And of course, we continue to take steps to deal with that, especially in acute care. So in terms of bed capacity, we're at a very high level right now. We're going to get, I think, an update from Mr. Dix tomorrow about the number of people in hospital. I'm told we're probably around the 10,000 mark. We've got about 9,200 base beds in the system, 2,300 surge beds. Uh, we're over capacity right now on the base beds, and it will be interesting to see what percentage of surge beds have now been uh, brought into service. Hopefully we get that, that number breakdown in BC hospitals tomorrow. Shades of uh, earlier days of our pandemic. All right, thanks mm -hmm. for that, Keith. Vancouver police have now identified 37-year-old Wen Gong as the victim of an East Vancouver homicide last year. Police say on November 2nd, a witness called 911 just before 10 p.m. to report a man had been attacked near Renfrew and Gravely Streets. It was a fatal stabbing. Gong was rushed to hospital where he died of his injuries. The investigation is progressing, but so far no suspects have been named and no motive revealed. It was Vancouver's 10th homicide of 2022. An Indigenous lawyer says a B.C. Court of Appeal decision will have a far-reaching impact on people who didn't even know they had Indigenous heritage. At stake is something called the Gladue Principle. It's the result of a Supreme Court decision that states judges must take Canada's colonial past into account when sentencing Indigenous offenders. Using that principle, B.C.'s appeal court ruled unanimously to reduce the sentence of David Kehoe for stabbing a man back in 2018, despite the fact he had little connection to his Métis heritage. What it states is that even if an Indigenous person is disconnected from their culture as a result of of assimilation and colonial policies of the Canadian government that the judge must consider um, why is that person disconnected? If a person uh, isn't connected uh, deeply in their own culture, it doesn't mean that the Gladue principles and the Supreme Court of Canada decision shouldn't be applied. Canada jails Indigenous offenders at an alarming rate. Indigenous people make up about one-third of all federal inmates, while only accounting for about 5% of the Canadian population. Some wild weather is hitting Vancouver Island tonight. The remnants of the so-called bomb cyclone that hit California. Kylie Stanton is live in Victoria with the conditions that exist there right now. Kylie. 
Yeah, Chris, uh, wind started to pick up here in Victoria late afternoon, but as you can see, it started to calm down. It should uh, ease completely overnight tonight. So while this storm uh, is expected to be short-lived, there is another one right behind it. As the wind picks up, residents are hunkering down. We're actually going to a superstore to stock up on some supplies. The first storm of the new year has made its way to Vancouver Island, and it's making quite a statement. So we do have that cyclone that's just off of Vancouver Island today, and it's a low pressure system. The stronger the low pressure system it is, the stronger the winds are once it moves near the island. So it's definitely bringing us some precipitation and more importantly, very strong winds. Wind warnings are now in effect. Western and northern Vancouver Island are expected to see gusts from 80 to 110 kilometers an hour, while winds between 70 and 90 kilometers an hour are projected along the eastern side into the capital region. So the strong winds are expected throughout today and will begin to weaken later in the night as that low pressure system departs further north along the coast. It's the tail end of the bomb cyclone wreaking havoc from California all the way up the Pacific coast of the U.S a type of low-pressure system that deepens as quickly as it intensifies. California's governor has declared a state of emergency, and while the storm is expected to weaken as it makes its way north, power outages are a given, and crews here are gearing up. We have people on standby, and ultimately it's always up to Mother Nature. We can only do our bit um, to respond, but Mother Nature lets us always know who's in charge, and, and uh, we'll do the cleanup and do the repairs after. BC Ferries is also making some adjustments to its schedule, cancelling the last round trip between Powell River and Comox and rescheduling the Prince Rupert and Haida Gwaii run, but warns there is potential for more service disruptions. We do closely monitor the situation. If we do have to cancel a sailing, it is for safety reasons. And this is just the beginning. Another storm is set to hit the island on Friday. We'll just sit tight, kind of take what nature uh, throws at you, I guess. So as you can imagine, we're not going to see much of a break in the wind. Environment and Climate Change Canada saying we are in the middle of an active storm cycle from the Pacific, meaning we will see more storms rolling in this weekend and into early next week. The message to everyone right now is to be prepared for anything. Chris? Always good advice. Thanks very much, Kylie. That's Kylie Stanton in Victoria. And of course, more details from Christy coming up in the weather. In the meantime... Canada goes for gold at the World Juniors. The whole nation cheering the team on to a blistering start in the championship game. Wait till you see what happened after that next on the News Hour. They always set aside the best for Tojo. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Vancouver's <laughs> sushi pioneer. How Tojo changed the tastes of a generation. Later on the news hour. And Bear Rescue, the community effort to save a young cub coming up later. Right now, though, nothing brings Canadians together quite like hockey, especially when national pride is on the line. And tonight, Team Canada is going for gold at the World Juniors. And fans here in B.C. are especially focused on the team and the tournament's leading goal scorer, North Vancouver's Connor Bedard. And Matagahi is live at the North Shore Winter Club, where they've known for a long time about this generational talent. Imad. Yeah, and they're excited to watch him on perhaps the biggest stage he's been on so far in his career. The 
World Juniors Tournament, and Canada's success in it has been hard to ignore, especially because uh, Team Canada is being led by a local uh, hero, and we are here uh, at his former home, uh, his former minor hockey league club in North Vancouver, where uh, these kids behind me and everyone have been paying particular attention uh, to Connor Bedard, uh, who grew up just five minutes from uh, this club here on the North Shore, went to Argyle Secondary, the 17-year-old Canadian star uh, came into this tournament as the best youth hockey player in the world, uh, projected to be the first overall pick in the 2023 entry uh, draft, and he hasn't disappointed, leading Canada uh, to this gold medal game tonight with nine goals and 14 assists. Uh, Connor Bedard's influence on the kids currently playing hockey uh, has been enormous, especially right here at his home club. Uh, many of them watching here tonight, while thousands of other fans have gathered in bars across the country. We were in here watching the game yesterday, and they're screaming Connor. You know, so every time he gets the puck, it's Connor, 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 and that's the, all they were talking about at practice. And they're trying to do the moves on open hockey that he's doing. Um, so he has a massive influence on on our young players here, and I would assume the rest of the North Vancouver as well. How he's like always like in the play, like he's never like making mistakes. I kind of realize he's just like almost. Like, he's just, like, say the guy's, like, here, he's just, like, right there. Uh, Connor Bedard has been held off the score sheet so far tonight, and it is intense so far. Uh, a 2-2 game headed to overtime. But in any event, if you haven't yet heard Connor Bedard's name, you have to be ready for it to be pretty uh, common in these uh, parts. As, uh, this is potentially the next big superstar in the sport of hockey coming from right here in North Vancouver. And he's got a lot of support, as you can see behind us uh, here tonight. All right, wow, what a thrill for those, uh, those people to be watching tonight, Yvonne, thank you. We hope Canada can carry through in overtime, no doubt. All right, uh, still to come for us here on the News Hour, 11 days after the fatal bus crash on Christmas Eve, what investigators are learning about how it happened and why finding answers isn't easy. That's next on the News Hour. Plus, right now, the process puts the burden on the Canadian consumer. Holding airlines accountable, why some say passengers still don't have the protection they should. Traffic is steady both ways at the Arthur Lang Bridge tonight with minor congestion just at the north end. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Brew Canadian Superstores and Walmart throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com, open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre. RCMP say it could take up to a year before they wrap up the investigation into a fatal bus crash Christmas Eve on the Okanagan Connector. 18-year-old Kathy Kim Lee is the latest victim to be identified. She was heading home from Kelowna when the bus flipped, killing four people. Since then, investigators have been interviewing everyone on the bus, painstakingly piecing together what led up to the tragedy, including road conditions and the condition of the vehicle's tires. I responded on Christmas Eve to that bus crash and uh, collected all the physical evidence that we could on the side of the road, uh, waiting for a few more different parts from uh, different agencies, either mechanical inspections and uh, other electronic data that's available. We'll do some drag factor testing, so how much force is required to move an object on that surface. Uh, so I've, I did that testing uh, on the scene there Christmas Eve. Police also telling Global News they're looking at each seatbelt on the bus as part of the investigation. 
They've already said they believe most people on the bus did not buckle up. Sunwing Airlines is apologizing to customers who struggled through massive disruptions over the holidays. Thousands of people were left stranded for days in Mexico and Cuba as, as Sunwing service collapsed. Many of them will seek compensation, but if they aren't satisfied, filing a complaint against a major airline might not be easy. With more, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrew Anel. And Thanks, Chris. The Canadian Transportation Agency is the federal regulator that processes complaints and settles disputes between travelers and airlines. But given the current backlog of complaints, don't expect the CTA to review your case anytime soon. In fact, some industry experts say don't expect much in terms of enforcement either. Stuck on the tarmac for hours, stranded at the airport for days. YVR is basically a parking lot. The recent holiday travel chaos will have passengers seeking compensation and refunds from airlines who breach Canada's air passenger protection regulations. And if the outcome proves unsatisfactory, the Canadian Transportation Agency that holds airlines accountable says it can help resolve those complaints but some aren't so sure. Right now, the process puts the burden on the Canadian consumer. It's got a complaint. John Graddick is a faculty lecturer and coordinator of McGill University's Aviation Management Program. He says as it stands now, the CTA is ineffective and takes far too long to process complaints. They're not the right tool and they're not the right vehicle to in fact look at adjudicating and making decisions about appeals from customers about airlines' refusal to, in fact, pay compensation. There's got to be a better way. The CTA says as of December 20th, it had over 31,000 complaints pending. And the wait time between when a case is submitted and when it's reviewed is over 18 months. But some say making matters worse is the agency's lack of enforcement when airlines break the rules. We have a system that we've established under the APPRs that defines what the violations of these rules are. They're not being applied. They're not being enforced. Let's clean that act up before we force everybody to go to a small claims court. And some argue airlines aren't paying much of a price when the laws are enforced. This latest notice back in September for 55 separate violations by WestJet shows the CTA issuing a penalty of $200 per violation instead of the maximum $25,000. What that means economically it is that it is actually more profitable for the airlines to disobey the law, stonewall passengers, and occasionally pay a pittance of a fine. So what can consumers do? Some airline passenger advocates suggest taking the airlines to small claims court, while others would like to see more action taken by the federal minister of transport. Certainly the minister hasn't been very public about saying, I have your back, consumers, I'll get this fixed next time. And that's unfortunate because I think that's his role. You know, without that, there won't be any movement from the airlines because they sense the weakness in the government and they say, well, why should we change? Still, the federal transport minister says his government is vowing to toughen air passenger rights. We're looking forward to figuring out what other measures can we put in our passenger bill of rights to make sure that the airlines are the ones who are responsible for these claims not the CTA. 
The federal transport minister was also asked if his department will launch a large-scale investigation looking into Sunwing and a number of airlines that left thousands of air travelers stranded during the holidays. Omar Elgabra says he's deferring that responsibility to the Canadian Transportation Agency and says his ministry will continue to offer support whenever needed. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Thank you very much, Anne. And we multitask. We can. We can pay attention to Anne's story and... Pay attention to World Juniors hockey as well. Looks like the medal they're bringing home matches my tie. And I don't know if that comes across on TV, but we'll have the details coming up a little later in sports. Well, well done. All right, also coming up tonight, promising news about NFL player DeMar Hamlin. First question that he wrote when he, when he started to awaken was, was, did we win? What doctors say about his condition days after his shocking collapse on the field. Plus, expanding pharmacare coverage. The drugs BC is adding to the list, and who will benefit the most? but steady for eastbound traffic on Highway 1 through Vancouver and Burnaby tonight with congestion at merge points like Willingdon and Kensington. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre. Well, some good news concerning the health of Damar Hamlin. The Buffalo Bills' safety is reportedly awake and has been holding hands with family at the hospital. The team and his family are saying the 24-year-old's condition, while still critical, is improving. Hamlin collapsed on the field after making a tackle suffering cardiac arrest during a road game against the Cincinnati Bengals Monday night. According to Hamlin's doctors, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal and he's making steady progress. The Bills are scheduled to take on the New England Patriots this weekend, but we don't know if that will be postponed. You know, his, uh, his mom and dad have talked to him about uh, what has happened, and we expect that we'll continue to have ongoing conversations with him. You know, and again, his first, you know, first question that he wrote when he, when he started to awaken was, was, did we win? So we know that he's really, that it's not only that the lights are on, we know that he's home, uh, and that it appears that all, all the cylinders are firing. Good to hear. Actor Jeremy Renner tweeting a new video today showing the support of his family and the fact that he hasn't lost his sense of humor after a frightening snowcat accident. First shower. I'm definitely weak or so. Gross. <laughs> the video shows Renner's sister massaging his head in his hospital bed with his mother standing by. Renner says, a not so great ICU day turned into an amazing spa day with my sis and mom. Thank you so much. The 51-year-old Avengers star suffered blunt force chest trauma and serious orthopedic injuries when he was run over by his 6,500 kilogram snowcat while clearing his property on New Year's Day. In Health Matters, BC Pharmacare is expanding coverage of four drugs in a decision that will affect thousands of British Columbians. The expansion covering medication for type 2 diabetes, heart failure and blood clots. Dapagliflozin and Apixaban will go from limited coverage to regular coverage. And two other drugs, Jardiance and Ozempic, will have expanded coverage. Health Minister Adrian Dix announced the decision in Vancouver and says it's going to have a major impact. The OG of Vancouver's sushi obsession. 
How Tojo turned our taste around and the world famous role he created later. Plus, there's a baby bear. Lions Bay Rescue Mission, how the community came together to save a baby bear later. A rock slide has forced the closure of a major road in Hope until at least tomorrow morning. The District of Hope shared these images of some giant rocks, including some truck-sized boulders that came crashing down on Flood Hope Road. Drivers are being asked to stay clear of the area as crews clean up the debris and fix the damage to the roadway. They're completing a safety assessment before that planned reopening tomorrow morning. All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at our weather forecast. Looks like a lot of activity behind you, Christy. Yeah, so that very intense low pressure center making its way towards the coast as we speak. We've already seen wind gusts on the outer coast of Vancouver Island up to 128 kilometers an hour. So that's like a hurricane, category one hurricane strength wind. Now, it's not the case along the actual coast and along the inner coast, but nonetheless, strong winds are expected to continue this evening with the potential for 100 kilometer hour gusts on the outer coast, which are currently happening right now in the Solander Island area, and potentially 90 kilometers an hour along along the inner coast. Those of you in the Squamish area, the wind warning has ended. You've had intense outflow winds with today wind gusts in excess of 100 kilometers an hour in your region, but they're starting to die down as the low pressure center makes its way towards the coast. You'll start to see that outflow ease off, but we'll continue to see those strong winds even in Metro Vancouver, along the coast and along southern regions with the potential of gusts up to potentially 80 kilometers an hour. So we still could see further power outages. Overall though, Things will die down overnight and then bring on the rainfall. Now, it's not necessarily going to be heavy rainfall, but it's going to be relentless for the next 10 days as a parade of storms make their way onto the coast. So keep your rain jacket handy. In the meantime, here's your Friday, everyone. Periods of rain across the North Coast region, lighter in through the interior, but some snowfall for the Columbia and the Kootenai region. Periods of rain across the South Coast. Tomorrow, the rainfall will be light and spotty, especially across the Metro Vancouver region. We are going to remain mild over the next several days, but keep that rain jacket handy. Tonight's center windows weather window coming to you from Osprey Lake, where they were actually playing golf, as you can see there. Highlighted are the balls in orange there and the uh, actual tee. Great to see you out enjoying a great, uh, uh, well, outdoor activity in the snow. Love it. Good thing I mean, they have the right golf balls for that. Golf of any yeah. kind is great, even if you got to play on a frozen <laughs> lake. Thanks, Christy. All right, residents of Lions Bay say their hard work and persistence paid off, saving the life of an orphaned black bear cub. As Paul Johnson reports, they believe their efforts can also provide a roadmap to keep other orphan bears from being destroyed. All bears tend to use the creeks as like their highways. This is how they go from one area to the next. We're with Lions Bay councillor Neville Abbott, checking out the paths where their notorious visitor liked to explore. Then in late October, um, we started to get repairs, uh, uh, reports of a young bear um, uh, that was uh, alone. There's a baby bear. No one's sure how this cub ended up an orphan. But as the weeks wore on, it was clear he was struggling to find enough food to make it through the winter. I was told that it would either crawl up somewhere and die, um, or, or it would just keep walking around through winter until it starved. But the chances of it hibernating and coming out of hibernation were, were very slim to nothing. 
But Lions Bay is among a handful of communities in B.C. that practice bear-smart techniques, meaning people here go out of their way to successfully coexist with black bears, with sightings of the cub reported daily in their online forum. They were able to get the permit to trap the cub and have him sent to a rehab center. Luckily, just days before our last cold snap. One of BC's top bear biologists, Wayne McCrory, told us he applauds what's happened here in Lions Bay. He says that bear cub probably would not have made it through the winter and that programs in BC have generally been quite successful in rehabilitating bear cubs to live again in the wild. So he's doing super well. Um, he's on a natural diet now. We had him on kind of an emaciation diet at first. Um, he's gaining weight. He's exploring his enclosure. Here's a recent pick of the cub after the Langley-based Critter Care came to get him. The nonprofit thinks he's on track to be released in the summer, which would be quite gratifying for the bear-smart village of Lions Bay. If we can use this story to encourage other communities to get on the Bear Smart program to, to do those kind of things, that would be wonderful. In Lions Bay, Paul Johnson, Global News. Well done. All right, let's bring in Squire Barnes now. We uh, did sort of give it away, but it's the excitement we couldn't continue. <laughs> oh, well, you... <laughs> okay. we had to. That's okay, that's okay. We'll show you how Canada won gold at the World Juniors. It just happened moments ago, a golden goal in overtime. As for the Canucks, they're taking on Colorado. And one of the key guys for the Avalanche is Abbotsford's Devon Taves, who says it's all about a Stanley Cup repeat for Colorado this season. Yeah, that's the standard in this room now is, you know, to win the Cup again. Um, and we feel like we got the team to do it. Uh, it's just about putting the pieces together. I'm guessing uh, Taves will have lots of family at Rogers Arena as the Avalanche will play the Canucks very shortly. And later, the man who started Vancouver's raw fish fixation, how Tojo turned Canadians around on sushi. I suspect ratings for the news hour will be quite low between <laughs> six and about now. And here's and we Squire. We haven't been distracted no, at all. Not at all. No, not <laughs> Glad everybody has joined us now. Um, Czechia was a team that actually beat Canada on opening day of the World Junior Hockey Tournament 5-2. And that game put a shock in the Canadians that carried them all the way to the gold medal final, where they would get a chance to avenge that loss against Czechia on Boxing Day. But would Canada have the Midas touch against the Czechs? The answer is yes. It took overtime, but Canada has won its 20th junior gold medal. Shane Wright, it's his birthday, captain for Canada, and he would score in this one too. But the first goal is on the power play, and it's Dylan Gunther. He would bookend this game with goals. That made it 1-0. Coquitlam's Thomas Millich had to make some saves. Canada was a little loose defensively in the first period. He kept it at a zero. The aforementioned Shane Wright, nice backhand. Seattle Kraken member now makes it 2-0. And it looked like Canada might be able to uh, carry that all the way to the finish. And then... That's a lucky goal. The Czechs scored two in less than a minute. Jakob Kosa's goal here goes in off Ethan Del Mastro's leg. That made it 2-2, so it goes to overtime. In OT, Gunther, Joshua Waugh, back to Gunther. That's a golden goal. And Canada, in front of the loud fans of Halifax, have defeated Czechia 3-2. 
for another gold medal. And considering they won one in August, that's two in what? One, two, three, four, five months, something like that. I don't have time to do the math. Um, the uh, Canucks have the champs in town, but Colorado comes into this game with a longer losing streak than the Canucks right now. The Avs have dealt with some injury issues. They've lost four in a row. The Canucks, of course, have lost three in a row. But Colorado does still have the likes of Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr healthy, as well as Abbotsford native Devon Taves, who's become a big part of Colorado's success. Devon Taves gets it back. Taves going to the net. Scores. Devon Taves game winner. It would be pretty tough for Devon Taves to top last season. He had a breakout year offensively with 57 points in just 66 games. That was ninth best among all NHL defensemen. And of course, he capped the season in June with the Stanley Cup. Later in the summer, he got to enjoy his day with the Cup with his family. And the plan is to rinse and repeat in 2023. The standard in this room now is, you know, to win the Cup again. Um, and we feel like we got the team to do it. Uh, it's just about putting the pieces together and getting in a rhythm right now. And, uh, that's something that we're trying to find right now is, is the rhythm of our game and how we like to play. Taves is just in his fifth NHL season, but he has quickly become one of the best in the league, paired alongside Norris Trophy and Conn Smythe winner Kale McCarr. Taves has elevated his game in his two-plus seasons in Colorado to get to an elite level. Oh, I just feel like I'm growing my game every day, uh, trying to learn from, from the guys in this room, from the coaching staff, and uh, try to better myself each and every day with what I do. So uh, it's, it's always a continual process that never stops. I learn things from him every day. He's just the way his stick position is, the way his body position is, his puck plays. Like, he's such a smart hockey player, and he's, he's a really great person too. And uh, he's someone that I didn't really grow up knowing being around here. But uh, now that I've gotten to know him and stuff, it's really cool. And uh, like I said, he's just a great person. It's proven that he can handle that and those minutes and, and the, the type of expectations that we have for him. So um, I think all that kind of stuff put together makes for a nice fit for him in our club. Taves credits playing at Yale Hockey Academy in Abbotsford as a place that really helped him understand what it took to play hockey at its highest level. And now he's a key part of the Stanley Cup champions looking to have another exhaustive playoff run this spring. People call it a short offseason. It's, it's the perfect offseason. Uh, in, in reality, that's the one we want every single year. And, uh, you know, it's just about us, you know, putting the time in to get our bodies ready and get our minds ready and, you know, get back to the task at hand. And the NFL says the postponed Bengals-Bills game will not be finished. They're going to uh, figure out how they're going to handle the standings and the playoff seating and the playoff games. We'll know more about that tomorrow. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Well, hard to imagine, but there was a time when Vancouver didn't have a sushi restaurant on no. just about every block. Up next, the man who made us love raw fish. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. Well, sushi is about as British Columbian now as coffee and craft beer. And sushi aficionados have Vancouver-based chef Hidekazu Tojo to thank. He helped usher in the sushi craze back in the 1980s. And as Jay Durant shows us in This is BC, even after 50 years behind the sushi counter, Tojo-san isn't finished yet. Good morning. 
Another early morning visit to the dogs. Hideka Sutojo is here to get the first crack at the latest catch. Oh, good. Very nice. They always set aside the best for Tojo. Yeah. Friendships dating back decades with local fishermen. This is a good for sushi. Just like his longtime customers, some who have been coming to see him since the late 70s, when sushi was a very hard sell for most people. If you said that you were going to go eat raw fish, they would look at you like you're crazy, and they certainly wouldn't try it. They're no interesting. Raw fish, ooh, yuck, that's it. In 1971, a young unknown chef from Osaka moved to Vancouver to work at one of the few Japanese restaurants around. August 25th, I remember. <laughs> Tojo became a West Coast culinary pioneer, helping usher in the sushi craze of the 1980s. Famous for his creation, later called the California Roll, hiding the seaweed, which he noticed turned off North Americans. That white rice, sesame seed on top. Okay, I'm going to try it. Taste. Delicious. That much? Yeah. Okay. His growing reputation attracted celebrity chefs and countless celebrity customers, from movie stars to rock stars. Tojo's been invited to band studio sessions, sometimes being told to put down the knives and pick up a mic. I said, okay, I bring you to the, my crew, my staff. You sing. <laughs> you know me. I'm very bad singer. After more than 50 years on the scene, that mass aversion to raw fish has certainly faded, no matter what age. It's kind of interesting now, the kids eat sushi the way they eat pizza. At 21, Tojo took a big chance moving to a new country to try something no one else was doing, which has always been his advice for any young chef. Please make originality. Don't copy. Make originality. Everybody respect you. Jay Durant, Global News. Oh, and he was or is an original for sure, Tojo san Thank Sure you. is. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, especially if it's about food, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. We're food focused here. We, we pay particular attention to those pitches, no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, last word on weather and wind before we go, Christy. Yes, yeah, so the winds will continue this evening. Still the potential for power outages. They'll die down overnight. Rainfall on the way over the next several days. A lot of little blue raindrops on that graphic. Thanks very much, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night, all. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.